We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We rock it like you're never gonna see us again. It is 6 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air for this Wednesday night, May 9, 2012. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe, just business Buccino, and my co-host and tag team partner is David Gomez. Sir, how are you? Doing awesome, sir. Doing fabulous. Doing wonderful. Excited to get another great PG show. Yeah, that's right. Action-packed show. We've got everything and anything like the tagline says, so, sir, let's give out the contact information and get the show on the road. Folks, as always, the call-in number, 714-364-4721. The website, puregoldpg.com. And, of course, you can check out our Twitter, our Facebook, and all that other hot mess when you check out the site. Folks, the greatest show ever, Pure Gold on the radio. Folks, we're coming to you live from the Hans Solo Studio in Clifton, New Jersey tonight. Not Hasbrook Heights, so just want to let that let our fans know that. And tonight, I don't think our fans even need to know that. They don't, but I just had it pointed out. Anyway, tonight on the program, we will have entertainment talk to start off the show with Hans. We'll be talking about the blockbuster, the Avengers that just came out this past weekend. We'll also talk about the, the Kodo Mayweather fight briefly. We'll get into some WWE talk briefly again about Paul Heyman. We'll talk about we'll talk about NBA playoffs. With, we'll talk about we'll talk about we'll talk about we'll talk with Vic about the NBA playoffs. We will also have on the program Miss USA 2009 Kristen Dalton, and then finally we'll have Kevin Canessa breaking down the NHL playoffs, specifically the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. And finally, we'll end the show talking about our beloved New York Mets. So basically what that means that we're not going to talk on the Mets at all. We probably won't get to the Mets. It's an action-packed show, sir. And since we've, you know, had the privilege, the honor, and all that good stuff to to be using the Hans studio tonight, it's only fitting that we start off with the entertainment talk. If I find my soundbite here with the entertainment talk, uh, we'll get this segment underway. Now it's time for some entertainment talk here on Pure Gold. Folks, we are proud and privileged, and we have to say that because, like Joe said, we're at the studio to be joined this evening by Hans, who is a special part of the Pure Gold family. He's been fired more times than we can count. But, sir, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. You guys? <laughs> doing <laughs> wonderful. I see the awkwardness is still there, even in person. Uh, Hans, let's break this down. The only way that we need to know how, as a matter of fact, you know what? We're going to have to pause this for a second because it looks like we are joined by our guests for the evening. So, folks, we apologize for getting you hyped to talk about entertainment. We're going to have to uh, hold off on that for a second because uh, we are joined by the incomparable, the one and only Miss USA 2009, Kristen Dalton. Kristen, how are you doing this evening? Hi, I love that greeting. <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you doing? Well, you're doing fabulous. Thank you so much for uh, giving us a few minutes. Uh, you know, we had a little rundown set up, and uh, you kind of threw it off by calling in so early. But you know what? You're the guest. You you run this show. We just do whatever just to make you happy. Uh, Kristen, I'd like to start off with saying uh, 
you know, it's about time that you come on the Pure Gold Show. I know that, uh, you know, we've gone go back and forth a little bit on, uh, on Facebook. And uh, before I go any further, let me just say, put this out there publicly for the thousands who listen and the millions uh, at home, everyone, my all-time favorite guest ever in the history of the show, never to be dethroned by anyone else, one of your best friends, Alicia yeah. Blanco. I throw that out there, Kristen, because uh, <laughs> I've pretty much been exploded to say that. Well, that's awesome. She's a she's one of my favorites too, and I can totally understand why she's yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, of course, she's a wonderful human being, probably the greatest human being I've ever met. But aside from that, Kristen, uh, let, let's get down to the interview here. Uh, one of the things that I found fascinating when I was doing some research on you is the fact that you were Miss North Carolina, USA, of course, the year that you won Miss USA. But I can't say this about any other guests we've had. Your mother also held the exact same title in 1982. Now, what was that like for you? Um, I think that definitely had a part in my wanting to be Miss North Carolina and Miss USA one day um, because she always had her trophy and her crown sitting on uh, her dresser in her bedroom. And so I would always go in her room, like, when she wasn't home and try on her crown and practice my winning moment and, you know, pretend like I was a princess. Um, And then every year since I was three years old, my two younger sisters and my mom and I would watch Miss USA and Miss America, and it was like a holiday at our house. We we would pop popcorn. My mom would roll our hair. Um, We would have, like, our voting ballots and everything. So um, for me, watching the winning moment every year was just the – I always resonated with the winner's emotions, and um, and I just always was so encompassed and enthralled by with the amazing women on the stage and how they could speak under pressure and like it was no big deal, and um, it just seemed like something that was so unattainable. And I think that's what m- made me, um, I don't know, just really gave me the desire to to achieve that goal. Now. You touched on this a little bit, but your sister was also uh, Miss North Carolina Teen USA in 2008. Tell us a little bit about that and how proud were you as a, as her sister? Oh, my gosh. I was her biggest fan. So, so proud of her. Um, I traveled with her um, during her year as Miss North Carolina Teen USA. And, you know, as her photographer, I handled all her autograph cards held her Sharpies for her, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so it was it was actually good uh, preparation for me, too, because it was kind of like living living the job for a year uh, before I competed. So I really knew what I was getting myself into, and I think that's one of the most important parts of, of competing and succeeding in pageants is um, is being prepared for the actual job and envisioning yourself doing it. Now, now, Kristen, beauty pageants obviously run in your blood. Did the fact that your mom won the title in 1982 intimidate you from running? I'm sorry, did did it do what? Did it intimidate you? No, it didn't. <laughs> I know people people ask me that all the time. It didn't at all. Like, it, even if my mom were never in pageants, I still think that it would have been something that that would have been something I wanted to do because I'm a princess at heart and um, I love playing dress up. I love sparkly things. I love flowy gowns and I think I'd have been drawn to it no matter what. Um, I grew up as a dancer and I was always on stage so it just kind of fit right in with my personality. 
Right. Now, this might sound obvious, but tell us how you felt when you first won Miss North Carolina. I'm sorry. Tell tell you what? Tell tell me. Tell us how you felt when you won Miss North Carolina. <laughs> um. Well, it was amazing. So exciting because I competed in uh, several pageants before Miss um, North Carolina USA, and I I. I was always a runner-up, and so I never thought I would win. Um, and so the fact that I won, like, the actual the actual title that I really wanted the most was amazing, and that just goes to show you that you have to be patient with God's timing, and, and all of the pageants right. that I competed in, all the pageants I competed in before were, were was my preparation and preparing me for my ultimate goal and what God really wanted to use me for. So thankfully I never gave up and I kept persisting. Um and I went with North Carolina and the whole quest to uh the journey of Miss USA was um such a year of personal growth um and such an awesome networking experience. I I met all of my best friends during that experience and then um just being Miss USA, like now I'm, I'm in that that USA title holder sisterhood, and you know so many of us move out to LA, and thankfully, um, like you've interviewed pretty much all my best friends, um, <laughs> but it's great because they're all very grounded women who are um, faith based and goal oriented and positive, encouraging women, and if it weren't for that experience, I never would have met these girls, and I think friendships and relationships are one of the most important things in life. Right. And then, obviously, as part of my rundown, I mentioned that you are Miss USA in 2009 when you won. Did, were you actually prepared to win it? Did you think you had a chance, or was this, uh, like, icing on the cake since you were already Miss North Carolina? Um. <laughs> Well, my childhood dream was to win Miss USA, and I would say um, probably my entire life I've I've always struggled with comparing myself to other girls and not feeling good enough, and um, uh, so that's a part of the process. Like once I went to North Carolina, I knew I my mentality I really needed to get under wraps because at Miss USA you're there for three weeks and. We all have great bodies. We all have beautiful gowns. We're all going to have impressive interviews. I mean, you're, they're state title holders. Every single girl there is amazing. So what's going to make you stand out? What do you do? And I think um, the most important part is just your mental toughness and preparing to handle yourself. Um, being at Miss USA surrounded by your competition for three weeks and not letting that, like, psych you out. And, um so for me, I was really, really lucky to work with um, a communications and mental toughness coach, which was Don Baker. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but he's excellent um, in the pageant world and in the media world. Um, but he, I attribute like 90% of the reason I won to him, um, just because he taught me the power of visualization and uh, staying positive and staying completely focused on on me and, you know, flying to New York City the very next day and embarking on the job and going on the press tour. And, you know, I was, all, I was focused on all of those things rather than all of the other girls. Um, so just the fact that I prepared so much um, and I, and I, just felt that desire in my heart, and I always had since I was a little girl. I felt like 
um, it was, Miss USA was a natural job for me. <laughs> and thankfully, um, thankfully, it was God's will, too. Well, you know, Kristen, it's just amazing to hear you talk about uh, having won the, the title. And, and one thing that, of course, uh, I have to bring up is that the the pageant was marred a little bit by some controversy when uh, uh, the first runner-up, who ended up being the first runner-up, Carrie Prejean, uh, you know, she was asked by well-known uh, you know, homosexual uh, Paris Hilton, Paris Hilton, excuse me, about uh, her stance on gay marriage. Now, when Carrie answered the question and said that she didn't support it, what was going through your mind uh, at that moment? <laughs> Um, well, when he first uh, asked the question, it seemed like a pretty reasonable, reasonable question to me in all my pageant interviews um, that I'd ever done. I, I had been asked a gay marriage question. It's a pretty standard social issues question that you're going to get in a pageant. Um, so it didn't throw me off guard that that was a question being asked. All of us got pretty tough, um, pretty tough questions. Um so uh, her answer, you know, I, I honestly wasn't even really listening, <laughs> uh, just because you know your adrenaline's going, and I just heard the crowd's reaction. And I was like, oh, that wasn't too good, um, but you know, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. She handled it, you know, the way that she did, and she she uh, stuck strong to her beliefs, and um, I admire her for that. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, I've I read in, in various places that uh, Perez actually said he was quoted on ABC News as saying that she lost it because of that question, and she was definitely the front runner before that. Um, you know, so I, I guess if you, didn't pay, if you weren't really paying attention to the response, it kind of negates the question, but I thought maybe if you had heard it or somebody had heard it, they may have thought, well, this girl lost the – you know, she's definitely not going to win at this point just because uh, the question that was set up. Like, we had uh, – Morgan Woolard on with us. She was one of our first pageant uh, contestants that we had on, which is going back towards last year. She told us that when she was asked a question on Arizona immigration, she felt that her response cost her the title. So, you know, again, you being the winner and you having been in that situation, kind of like listening to it, that's the reason that I ask it. But like I said, if you if you weren't paying attention to her response, then I kind of <laughs> I guess that kind of negates the whole thing. But um, now well, one, one more question well, for you on my part. Well, Sorry, I definitely, ahead. um, I definitely heard all about her answer <laughs> for the entire year during my reign after, after the pageant. Um, you know, so the fact that people say that she lost the title because of the answer, um, is was troubling at first, but I was thankful to learn um, from the Miss Universe organization and just from watching the telecast over again um, when the scores were shown that. Um, but I was actually in the lead throughout the entire competition, so um, so I felt a lot a lot better after I found that out. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can imagine. I mean, ultimately, what, what really matters, I, I suppose, is the fact that you won and you were Miss USA. But now, w what was it like for you uh, after the smoke cleared and you were named Miss USA? I mean, we talked to plenty of girls who haven't won, but what was it like to you for the fact that you did win? Uh, you know, with this whole grooming process. Um, just my year as Miss USA, what was it like? Yeah, yeah, what was it like when you finally, you know, the belt, the smoke cleared, you heard it, bam, you're Miss USA, and uh, give us your take on that. Um, it, I mean, like I said, it was a childhood dream come true, and um, I was just, 
so excited to embark on the journey and to have met all of the amazing girls that I had throughout the process. Um, you know, as you know, I'm really good friends with Alicia, and um, we're a big part of each other's lives now, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, and then just throughout the throughout the years, Miss USA, um, for me, it was for me and my personality, it was a perfect job because it just encompassed um, everything that I love, which is meeting new people, um, the glamour aspect, which is red carpet events, you know, giving back to the community, making a positive impact, which is speaking in schools, representing breast and ovarian cancer um, organizations and speaking for their cause alliances and raising money. Um, and I really, I, I really love the fact that my every day was planned out for me. I never really had to think about it. And I got an itinerary sent to my phone every night. Um, there was I always had a stylist, so I never had to worry about that. So for me, I just had an awesome year, and living in New York City was um, was great because it's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be able to say that I lived in New York City and L.A., and um, I would say that that experiencing uh, New York as Miss USA is probably the best way to do it. <laughs> now, Kristen, one last question for me, too. Tell us, looking back as Miss USA, what was the most proud moment that you had, or what was the biggest accomplishment that you had as Miss USA 2009? Um, hmm, interesting question. The biggest accomplishment I had, um, well, I guess I would have to say, um, well, there's two things. One is fun, and then one is more meaningful. Um, the fun one was that I got to um, take up salsa. I have um, a little Latina inside me, and um, I minored in Spanish, and I studied abroad in Spain and um, done mission work in Mexico and, and Guatemala, and so I've always just had this urge to learn how to salsa dance. And so I was really lucky to be able to uh, take that up with um with BASO, which is the Bio Society of New York City, and I got to perform at New York World Salsa Congress and LA World Salsa Congress. So that was um, kind of a little like dream country for me and so much fun to do. And then the more meaningful one would be um, for World Water Day, which is really, really important because uh, unclean water is the number one cause of death in the world. Um, wow. I got to travel to the Dominican Republic, and I was working with Children's International at the time. And uh, we went to uh, we went and visited a village uh, where we were we were cleaning a water source. And I met this little girl who uh, just she really made my heart melt. And um, you know, I met her whole family and saw her living conditions. And um, and I just thought, what can I do to help this girl? And through Children's International. Uh, for just, I think it's like $16 a month. Um, you can help, you can send them to school, you can make sure that they're well fed, that they get clean water, that they're clothed. Um, and so I sponsored her. Um, and so now I'm her sponsor, and I've been sponsoring her for three years. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's really, and it's unfortunate, like you said, the whole clean water situation, it's unfortunate that something so simple and something that we take for granted here in the United States for the most part is uh, is killing people across the world. They don't have the same luxuries that we do, but it's wonderful that you have that, that platform 
as Miss USA to be able to go out and do such great things and, you know, humanitarian work. And, Kristen, we thank you so, so very much for joining us this evening. And, you know, it, it is about time that we had you on, but uh, we are grateful that you, you took some time out of your schedule to to join us here in Pure Gold. No, of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm finally, I'm glad you finally asked me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah, know, I mean, now I won't be the only one that's out. We have to have, have the whole group on there now. So uh, we completed it with you, and, and, you know, hopefully, again, we'll be able to have you on in the future at some point. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Have a wonderful evening, Kristen. Thank you. You guys, too. Take care. Folks, that was the one and only, the incomparable Miss USA 2009, Kristen Dalton. Uh, just, again, so grateful to have her on the show. And before we continue, we have a uh, – I guess you can call this a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Morgan Willard, Miss Oklahoma, USA 2010. Make sure to check out Pure Gold every week at puregoldpg.com. Dave and Joe always bring the best in entertaining talk radio and great guests like me. <laughs> I love that promo. You're this is one. Miss Pennsylvania, USA 2011, Amber Joy Watkins. Make sure you tune in to Pure Gold every week. Check them out for yourself at puregoldpg.com. It is truly a show about anything and everything. And Dave and Joe tell it like it is. Yes, Amber Joy, we absolutely do. And, uh, you know, we're so grateful again to, to all the guests that we have on the show. We're grateful to those folks who call in and who do promos, uh, people like this. Hey, everyone. This is Brittany Dawn Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011, and Pure Gold is the best show on the radio. So make sure you tune in, check out the latest in entertainment, news, and sports. Yes, yes, yes. Pure Gold is the best show on radio. And I know we have a guy on hold who hasn't been on the show since he was uh, released from the Betty Ford Clinic. But you know what? You're going to have to wait, pal, because we have to get back to entertainment, before we talk NBA with uh, with Betty Ford, Mr. Betty Ford himself, Vic, up in Massachusetts, we got to talk to Hans, who was uh, interrupted, as it were, uh, at the very beginning. Sir, I know you're doing well. You've been you've been sitting here. You've been sulking this whole time. Let's get down to business. The Avengers. What did you think? I absolutely loved the movie, except for. And thank you for that, Hans. That was a wonderful take. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, like I was saying, I absolutely loved the movie, except for for Ruffalo, who oh, was complete garbage. Awful. And I don't know why he acts. Joe's favorite actor, by the way. <laughs> yes, my favorite actor. Uh, I, I mean, what was your favorite part of the film? I know what mine was, but, but what was yours? Um, pretty much when... Uh, the whole movie? Yeah, besides the whole movie. It was... Uh, Towards the end, when Captain America, when uh, Iron Man gives Captain America to uh, take charge, as it were, and he starts uh, shouting out commands and uh, for people to do certain things, and he tells the Hulk to smash, and you see the Hulk flying into the buildings and taking on the aliens. I think that was that was one of the the better parts for me. Yeah, you know, I agree because I, I like the fact that they actually made Captain America the leader. In a lot of versions of the Avengers, they've had Iron Man kind of take the forefront, but they they clearly made it seem that Cap was in charge, and they put him in charge, which I loved it. My personal favorite, the best line in the entire movie, I know Joe hasn't heard it, so Joe, you can leave the room, but when Cap, uh, when they're talking about Thor and Loki and the whole God situation, and Cap goes, 
there's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. That, to me, was the line of the movie, probably the greatest line I've ever heard in the history of my life in any film, but that was, uh, that was a great line, and I just loved the back and forth, the action, the, the laughing. And honestly, Joe, Joe thought that I was going to hate it, but it, it turned out to be better than I thought it was. So you gave this movie two thumbs up, broke all kinds of records. I wish I had more hands. I'd give it more thumbs up if possible. Broke all kinds of records. Is that correct? Yes, it did. Hans, uh, you want to fill in the audience on that one? It, I believe the, the only other movie that, that's in the top spot right now is Harry Potter with uh, Deathly Hollows Part 2 that's holding the record for opening night. But overall, uh, Avengers took, took the, um, broke, like you said, it broke records. It has the, um, I guess, the weekly uh, yeah, numbers. Yeah, the, the, the premiere the, weekend. Yeah, the premiere weekend since it opened on Thursday. Uh, it made over $200 million, and I believe worldwide it was more than $650 million. Yeah, it did, and, and it broke all kinds of records. Joe was actually uh, crying in his suit because uh, – and it uh, completely obliterated the Dark Knight with, in terms of the opening because uh, Dark Knight opened at 150 and and uh, the Avengers opened at over 200. Well, right, right. But uh, Chris Nolan um, texted me the other day, before, you know, <laughs> and uh, sources tell me that the, the sources tell me the reason why that movie made the all-time record is because there was a trailer for Batman. Uh, you know, Dark Knight Rises, so trailer number three, everyone had to go rush and see it, and they, the only way they could see it is go watch the Avengers. Avengers made a lot of money, but that's going to be nothing. This is the appetizer to the real movie, July 20th. The Dark Knight Rises, sell it. Go to hell! Again. Yeah, I think that's what Chris Nolan texted you. Um, but Hans, uh, what else about this film? I mean, were you surprised it was this good, or did you go... I, yeah, I was surprised that it was this good. Um, I had to... I had told uh, Dave I wasn't expecting because of Ruffalo being in the film. Garbage. I was really disappointed that they took Norton out because I, I thought he did a great uh, rendition of uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk. But I was pleasantly surprised with this movie. The amount of action, the banter between the the superheroes. And like Dave said, the the fact that they made Captain America... The, the team leader instead of Iron Man. I, I love that part especially. Now, Hans, for all the people that you know don't really know that much about the Avengers, like Vic, who's on the line, and uh, maybe me, uh, just uh, tell us about the storyline, how this movie started out, and um, you can even give out the conclusion because, you know, we, uh, we do give out spoilers here on Pure Gold. <laughs> well, the movie uh, takes place directly after the events that happened in the Thor with the uh, with the Tesseract, which is that, that cube that, that they were looking for that they found with Captain America, which ties all all those movies in together. So from there, um, Loki appears. He starts uh, waging war on Earth, as it were, and uh, Nick Fury has a plan. He, he doesn't want to use nuclear weapons, uh, so he wants to get the Avengers uh, together, and that's what what goes on throughout the movie pretty much is trying to get them to work as a team instead of their egos, mainly Iron Man's ego getting in the way. Uh, so towards the middle, middle of the film, they, they come together because they killed uh, Agent Coulson, I believe is his name. Yes. Phil Coulson, they, they kill him uh, during the middle of the movie, and that gives them the push, the incentive they need to, to work as a team, and they come together... Uh, banish Loki, and the movie ends. The 
the extra credits, well, the first extra credit is where, um, or the first extra scene is where they show Thanos uh, appearing and pretty much saying that he's going to crumble the Earth, which sets up the the sequel. And the second uh, extra scene was a scene where they're all eating together at the Schwarmy restaurant and just acting like regular people. It, it isn't much of a spoiler. It doesn't lead to anything, but it's just it's just one of those scenes that, that's funny to have in there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I tell you, from my perspective, it's just uh, the whole movie was so perfectly tied together. Now, I do believe that The Dark Knight overall will be a, a better film per se, but I thought that they did what DC has failed to do time and time again, and that's tie characters together, do things the right way. DC has failed constantly in basically every conceivable fashion. The Justice League movie has been, you know, in production for since before any of us were born, apparently, and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to be made, but the fact that Marvel is able to work with multiple studios, the fact that they're able to go and have Sony and Universal, et cetera, et cetera, Paramount, they still make it happen. This movie was, was great. I honestly don't even want to see Iron Man 3, Thor 2. I just want to see Avengers 2, 3, and 4. That's, that's just how I, my take on it. Is there any word on when Avengers 2 is coming out? Well, today it was officially greenlit, so it's in the pre-production stages. They're getting the script written up. Um, they're getting all the actors back together. They're thinking uh, concept ideas, and they're trying to lock down uh, Josh Sweden again to direct. Well, you know, hopefully that they're able to do it. See, my suggestion, and what I mentioned to Hans off air, was that they should do something where they focus on the smaller characters like Hawkeye, um, like Black Widow, and of course for the next film they could have new characters introduced, like let's say, for the sake of argument, Ant-Man and Wasp, who are a married couple. They can throw them in there because, you know, other than Ant-Man, there's a little bit, there's less... Uh, special effects, and it's more just right, kind of regular people doing their thing, and uh, they could throw that in there, and they can make it like, almost like an Avengers special missions movie to tie in between, because you have Jeremy Renner, you have Scarlett Johansson, they were great, but they were uh, slightly underutilized, but I would say uh, overall, if, if they don't do anything like that, I honestly can't wait for Avengers 2. <laughs> this is where I'm going to get shot. Any chance of having like Batman appear in part 2? Oh, yeah, Batman's going to, considering that Batman is a completely different company and it's completely impossible, to, and I should just punch you in the face. Superman? Yeah, Superman. Yeah, Superman. He's going to be the villain in part two. Anyway, right, well, let's jump to the uh, boxing topic before we let Hans go. Hans, this past Saturday night was Kodo Mayweather. I love how you have to look at your notes for that, by the way. You don't even know who that, who was boxing on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I couldn't stay up to watch the fight. Hans invited me over and invited a bunch of people. I don't think you were invited, but uh, he did invite <laughs> some people over to watch the fight. What did you think of the fight overall, and are we ever going to see Manny Pacquiao versus Mayweather? Overall, it was uh, it was decent. It was a decent fight. It wasn't anything uh, spectacular, to say the least. Um, they both gave a great effort. You were saying? <laughs> I was saying the the fight wasn't anything great. All they really did was put a little bit of effort into it, uh, and that's really just by showing up. None of them was there to knock the other one out. Kodo was uh, talking just a big game, and he didn't come through. He he had plenty of chances to take down Mayweather, but he seemed scared. He kept backing off. 
Uh, Mayweather would go in with a, a couple flurries after Cotto. So, overall, it was a garbage fight. As far as uh, Pacquiao and Mayweather, just take the piss test already, Pacquiao. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. And Mayweather, just drop it. It's only a piss test. Who cares? The money's right. The fans want to see it. Just give us what we want after you do your time, you moron. Hans, this had to be our best segment ever with you. And speaking of a piss, you know, contest or a piss test, we probably want to go to right to Bellevue and see if this guy passed his piss test last week. I think you mean, uh, I think you mean Betty Ford. Oh, Betty Ford Clinic. He joins us straight from Boston, Massachusetts. The one, the only, the Lee of the Vic, Vic Lee. How are you, sir? What's going on, guys? Hey, Vic, I just want to make sure, uh, are you off the meds today or no? No, no, they wouldn't let me go off the meds until the, uh, he actually won. So. <laughs> hey, Vic, I know we, we're having you on for NBA playoffs. I know you're an NHL expert as well. But tonight we're just breaking down the NBA playoffs that, honestly, first round has been so ho-hum. You have every team basically up 3-1 or 3-2. There's no drama. That's typical NBA. But we're we're here to talk to you specifically about tonight's matchup, the Heat Knicks. Do the Knicks have any shot at all to win tonight? Oh no shot. They have no shot. The Heat's gonna finish no, tonight. No. They, uh, yeah, I know it's, it's it's the drugs and me talking again, but I think the Heat's gonna finish it off tonight, and they're gonna get ready for the uh, Indiana Pacers. That should be uh, you know slightly better matchup. <laughs> but uh, no, now, I don't think uh, I, don't, I don't think the Knicks have any chance. Especially, I agree um, with you, especially in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> especially well, in Miami. Like I said, yep, exactly. The rest of I mean, the rest of the series. I mean, you you would thought that the Memphis Grizzlies against the Clippers might be a great series, but unfortunately, the Clippers up three uh, one. Is there any series that you've been really following besides maybe the Celtics series? Yeah, I've been following the, the Sixers and the Bulls. And the only reason I'm following because Derrick Rose and Joe Knows got hurt. And that's the only reason why this series is even interesting, if you, if you ask me. And, and the fact that Philadelphia can't, can't even beat the Bulls without Derrick Rose and Joe Knows tells you how much Philadelphia sucks. So hopefully, hopefully they can finish them out in six games. And, uh, and our Boston Celtics, Joe, our Boston Celtics should be able to take the Philadelphia Sixers down. And then... That was quite a matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm trying not to look ahead. I mean, I mean, we always talk about this <laughs> off the air, but I, I don't want to look ahead and say the Celtics are going to be automatically in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they have a great shot now, obviously, with no Derrick Rose. And um, what, what's the guy's name, Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. And River Phoenix. But, um, you know, I, I want the Celtics to get to the Eastern, Eastern Conference Finals, but does does the injuries to Paul Pierce and Ray Allen uh, concern you at all for the next series? Uh, no to Paul Pierce. And uh, Ray Allen concerns me a little bit, only because the Celtics, if they are going to lose to the Hawks, the Sixers, the Heat, it's going to be on offense, and I think they just don't have enough offense. Um, they're probably the best defensive team in the league right now, and I think what did them what did them last year was they just couldn't find scoring. They couldn't find secondary scoring besides Paul Pierce. So, so yeah, I mean, I think the Ray Allen injury is concern. 
Hopefully that's not so much. We've seen this woman before. Remember the NBA Finals back in 08, the wheelchair episode. I mean, he's always a little bit of a drama queen, him and Rondo. So I'm never really concerned about them because they're both gamers. They'll show up. But Ray Allen's an interesting one because Ray Allen is heading into a contract year. And, right. Um, and there's no guarantee that he's going to tough it out like these other guys will for the Boston Celtics, knowing that he probably will be, this will be his last year with the Celtics. So with him, I think he's right. going to play a little more safe. And um, so... Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mick. I don't know what's up with the... You were saying? <laughs> don't worry about it, Vic. It's Let me ask good. you this, Vic. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, what Rondo did yesterday to close out the third quarter, I mean... Uh, you're the, one of the probably the biggest Rondo fan I know. Just uh, you got the pl- you got the floor. Let us know what you think about Rondo's performance last night, and what how important he is to the I feel to the Celtics' future. Well, I you know obviously I, I love Rondo. I mean nothing gets me more excited than watching Rondo play basketball. Um, you know I, I thought last night you know he was he was off and on. I thought. For the first part of the game, he was pretty invisible, and then he turned it off. He turned it up in spurts. And if if you take a look at that comeback when we were down ten, I mean he had a great great offensive rebound put back, and then he stole the ball and took another shot. Now the thing with Rondo, that I think everyone, <laughs> the thing with Rondo that everybody just just uh, just I think misunderstands is that he he can shoot. He's a pretty good shooter when he does want to shoot. The fact is that he lacks confidence, and I think going forward in his development, he needs to really take those outside shots, or else defenders aren't going to respect him. And yeah. in terms of in the future, I think yeah, I think in the future, the Boston Celtics. I mean, I don't think you, I, I personally don't think you can win a championship with just Rondo, but you can definitely win it with you know another uh, if he plays with someone else, like a Dwight Howard, someone. Yeah, Michael like Jordan. Durant. Michael Jordan, right. you know, <laughs> yeah, someone like that. I don't, I don't think you can build a championship team around around a point guard that can't score. Uh, but you can build. Now, do you think that the? Um, I, I, we know that we're not blaming Ronda last night, and Doc Rivers for not saving a timeout for that last play caused them to run a broken play, it seemed, and Rondo didn't know what to do with the ball, but, you know, we're not blaming him. Uh, they could have closed out the series, but hopefully they close out the series tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Producers are yelling in my ear right now. Sorry, Vic. Uh, but, you know, we'll definitely have you on again if you, if that's possible to preview the second round. Hopefully they'll be a little bit more interesting than this first round has been. Uh, yeah, I think the second round in the Western Conference is going to be pretty interesting. I mean, you have the Lakers, Spurs, Thunder, and what we think will be the Clippers. So that should make it a pretty interesting second round. So we'll see. Yes, and we do appreciate you calling in. Apologize for having you on a little bit later than scheduled, but, sir. Apologize. The guy's lucky to be on our airwaves. What are you talking about? This guy's, this guy's up in uh, he's in rehab. What are you talking about? This is one phone call. He should be apologizing to us for not being around for the last six months. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be more, they can give you more visitation hours so I can come out a little bit more and talk to you guys. Vic, always a pleasure. We'll have you on soon again. Thanks for breaking down the first round with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Take care, bye. Well, that was the incomparable Vic. 
the greatest guest we've ever had in the history of uh, Pure Gold. I have to say, Vic, thank you so much for that basketball talk. I mean, other than all those interruptions that we had, it was good. It's almost as good as the entertainment segment with Hans, who's lingering about the studios. Uh, sir, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we uh, move on to uh, the, the notes of the day? Sir, let's take a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk some WWE. Specifically Check out Pure Gold Radio for a fresh take on sports and entertainment. David and Joe are informative, prolific, and funny. Enjoy a variety of guests and perspective. Tune in to catch me live, pro wrestler, actress, producer, Francesca Zappatelli at puregoldpg.com. All right, we're back. Hi, and, this uh, is Brittany Bell, Miss Arizona oh USA 2010. And make sure to tune in every week to Pure Gold for the best interviews and talk radio. Joe and David are the best. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. That was wonderful. Thank you so much, Brittany. Uh, the check's in the mail. Sir. Oh, and by the way, uh, congratulations to Francesca. She had a baby a couple weeks ago. And I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but I wanted to throw that out there. She had a, a baby boy, healthy. I think he weighed about 20 pounds. But uh, we're, we're just so, you know, God bless her and her, her new son. Yes. Um, sir, is there anything else you wanted to discuss? I know that we had Vic on it, and his hours, his minutes were coming to a close. Well, we're going to be talking some NHL playoffs, but we got some time. So let's get right into it and talk about some WWE, talk about some Paul Heyman, CM Punk. What am I missing here, folks? What am I missing? Oh, sir, I don't really care about uh, CM Punk behind. Anyway, go back to you. So was there, any, was there anything you wanted to discuss? Not this week, sir. Uh, I'll be back next week to uh, we'll break down the summer uh, movie list. What else is coming out? Not that it matters. I'm going to snack you, sir. It's the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Let's talk about your notes here. Josh Hamilton, Obama, gay marriage. Go, go. All right, now, before we get Mr. Kness, all right, I got to throw a couple of things out there. Yes. Can you, yes. Sh- can you shut up? First, no. uh, we apologize for the noise here at the studio. Apparently, there's, the, there's running of the bulls, there's mice, there's all kinds of crazy things going on here. But I, I wanted to touch on something. Now, today... We had our president. Well, you you know what? Let me backtrack for a second. You mentioned CM Punk. So let's start with that. Um, our WWE champion, CM Punk, was tweeting earlier in the week about his support for gay marriage, etc. When a fan tweeted him saying <laughs> I, I, something to the effect of gays make him sick, Punk then proceeded to tell the fan to go kill himself. Now, I'm not sure, and I may not be the most intelligent guy in the world, but how, sir, how is this okay? The WWE is a publicly traded company, so you cannot have your world champion telling fans to go kill themselves. He then later gave what I call a half-beep apology, sir, a forced apology, saying that he didn't want the guy to kill himself but to better himself. That sounds good, right? Oh, no, no. Nay, nay. The problem, sir, is that he started the quote-unquote, that's right, I did the air quotes, quote-unquote apology by saying, now I'm going to be the better man and apologize. Seriously, punk? Really? Really? You put the guy down, then apologize to him. That's like saying, I know you're a moron, but I'm sorry you're so stupid. If you speak on such controversial things, you should be prepared to handle people who disagree with you. Um, what I found funny is that, you know, you have a lot of liberals, for example, who they'll hate on conservatives or whomever if they don't agree with them and tell them to go kill themselves, as it were, as, as Punk just said. And they'll say horrible, hateful things, but when then they get mad when other people don't agree with them and because they're not being tolerant of their views. Now, 
if they're not tolerant of people who disagree with them, like Punk obviously isn't telling fans to go drink bleach and then to go kill themselves, I just think it's ridiculous, sir. I think Punk's a great talent, but he should stick to wrestling. Ultra-liberal. You said it best at our meeting yesterday. Ultra-liberal. <laughs> oh, Josh Hamilton, huh? Wait, wait, wait. So <laughs> Sorry. So that's all you have to say about that? You, have nothing, you don't think there's a problem with the WWE champ telling people to go kill themselves? I have a big problem with that, honestly, seriously, definitely, maybe. I think that there's a definite problem with CM Punk. I think he needs to be stripped of the WWE title. He needs to be suspended for 30 days for his actions. That's just not right for any type of wrestler let alone the WWE champion to making stupid tweets like that on the, a Twitter account that obviously Definitely. that Vince does not control or watch over. Obviously. Now, one thing I wanted to throw out here, too, and I know uh, we have Mr. Mr. Kness on hold, and uh, I, I was going to save this. I thought, I thought we, you know, I'd be able to say this at the end of the show, but i got to throw this out there. You know, our president today, speaking of the whole gay marriage topic, he announced that he supports gay marriage. Now, I know Kness is going to disagree with me, but, sir, what an absolute phony this president is. Uh, from day one, he said that he thought that marriage was between a man and a woman, but that states should decide the issue. Yet today, almost exactly six months to the day, he missed it by five days, almost six months to the day of uh, elections in November, he comes out and says that he supports gay marriage, that he thought it was important for him to come out and say that he feels that same-sex couples should be married. Now, to me, it's just a little bit too convenient how all of a sudden, again, six months out from election day, he suddenly changed his mind and he decides that gay marriage is okay. What a complete and utter fraud this president is. The worst part is that people like Kevin Canessa, who's going to come on our show, oh boy. <laughs> woo, thinking that he's sincere and applauding his efforts. I applaud his timing because it shows how shrewd of a politician he is. Because you know, a lot of the people who originally voted for him, which a lot of independents, have left him like rats from a sinking ship, and he needs a new voting base. So he goes to the gay vote and the gay marriage supporter vote. Anyone who thinks there's anything else other than just a ploy to get votes is nuts and probably on drugs. If he really felt this way, he should have said from day one that's how he feels, that he supports gay marriage, that, they, that it's okay in his opinion. Now, he doesn't support gay marriage. He supports the vote of those who support gay marriage, plain and simple. Thank you for that no, rant. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, gotta, you, you can't let me rant and then not say anything. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I'm going to leave it plain and simple because we have uh, the man waiting on the line. He did it for the votes. I mean, he's, he's a phony like every other politician. So, Obama, well, I think, I think I'm you gonna, can. I, I think I'm going to have to just do the show by myself from now on. But, folks, we're, we're proud and privileged to be joined by uh, Obama's number one supporter and actually the, the head of the cabinet, Mr. Kevin Canessa. Kevin, how are you doing this evening, sir? I, actually, it's Sal Licata calling. Uh, no, I'm, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, Sal, what an absolute phony you are, Sal. But Speaking look, of phony, I, I huh? from that. I'm actually surprised you remember that, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm doing great, David. How are you doing? Joe, how's everything, brother? It's good to be with you again. I miss you guys. Yeah, definitely have, having you on, talking some NHL, not about gay marriage. So, DG, <laughs> get out. Let's talk oh, about wait, the playoffs. Wait, wait. The, the, no, unlike no, the no, NBA no. playoffs, uh, Kev, the NHL playoffs have been really good to watch. Um, uh, you know, you have the surprise in the L.A. Kings just taking care of the Vancouver Canucks and then taking care of the St. Louis Blues. In a uh, matter of fact, you know, basically sweeping uh, the, yeah, sweeping the Canucks and, and beating the St. Louis Blues in five games. Have you been surprised by the way the L.A. Kings, as an eight seed, has taken care of the one and two seeds from the West so fast? 
No, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, the three of us have a mutual friend, uh, Joel the Mouth. You've heard of you've heard him before, Joel McGurk, and yep. uh, he's a uh, he's a big big sports fan like we are. And it was probably sometime in February. He said, "Watch out for for Jonathan Quick and watch out for the L.A. Kings. They're going to be dangerous." So I, I, I can't say that I watched a lot of their games because there, not many games were on really on the NBC Sports Network during the regular season. But this isn't surprising me one bit. Uh, this that that team is unbelievable. And to 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 be able, I mean, it's the first time in history of the National Hockey League that an eight seed is knocked off the number one and the number two seed. So that scares the living daylights out of me. This team. I, I don't see any 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 way that they that they're, they're not going to win the, the Western Conference Finals, and then once they get into the finals, I think they're going to be extremely dangerous. You're you're absolutely right because the the West really has no drama, like you said. But when we we look at the East, we look at first of all, let's talk about the the first round. Let's talk about the the Flyers and Penguins. What a series that was! I mean, one of the series that had the most one of the most goals scored in a series. And I just think that Pittsburgh, um, you know, Philadelphia's a, 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 like one of those basher-type teams. They, they got into the Pittsburgh's head, and they really beat Pittsburgh psychologically. Do you agree? Yes, it was, a, it was absolutely psychological. And what, what, what's ironic about it is after that series was, series was over, Flyer fans, Flyer fans, right. <laughs> and I forgot to, I, I'm not sure if I told you this, but I moved to South Jersey, so I'm right in the middle of, Flyer country now. These their fans and that team were, were they were all convinced that this this was the road to the to the cup. They got past Pittsburgh. The rest of the way was going to be a cakewalk. So psychologically, they had an they had such an incredible advantage over Pittsburgh. And I think they came into the second round series with that same kind of notion that this was going to be a cakewalk. That they were just going to run over the Devils in four or five games. And look what happened. So. Yes, definitely a psychological thing in the first round. Everybody picked Pittsburgh to win the Stanley Cup in the beginning of, in the beginning of the playoffs. All these so-called experts. Then you turn around, and it was one of the most bizarre. And I, I, I didn't enjoy the series at all. It was like watching preseason hockey quite a bit. But uh, psychologically, they had that advantage, and they just didn't get rid of that psychological advantage when the second round came around. Well, you know, if I, if I can interject here for a second, Kevin, uh, I like preseason hockey, by the way. But something that I saw that was interesting, a note on a note on uh, uh, Twitter was that, was that the last two last champions have beaten the the, the Flyers. Now, well, what do you think about that? Uh, are we talking the Devil Stanley Cup here again? I don't answer that one yet. Well, we're a little we're jumping ahead a little here because I'm still not sure. If, we still don't know if it's going to be the Rangers or the Capitals that they play. But I think the Devils match up very well against both of those teams. Rangers fans and and hockey experts are going to pick the Rangers to beat the Devils in five six games and say the Devils have no chance of beating the Rangers. But I think they match up very very well with both of those teams. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, when you have Martin Brodeur as your goaltender, you cannot go wrong. Uh, even though he just turned 40 years of age, he's playing like he's 25 years old again. And Henrik Lundqvist has still never made it past that second round. Even if he does, he's still very, very untested in pressure-packed playoff games. So I think the Devils will match up very well with them and get to the finals. Washington I'm not so sure about, though, because that's another one of those weird stories, like the Kings. It's a seven seed that, that uh, 
that's playing uh, out of its mind, and I'm a little bit nervous about possibly having to play Washington. So, But, yes, I do think when all is said and done, they'll be in the finals, uh, will the Devils. Now, Kev, um, speaking yeah. of the Devils, this is a team, um, you know, you get into the playoffs and you catch fire and you have a good goalie like Martin Brodeur. I think I, – I actually thought that the Devils' season was going to end, especially after they had beaten the Florida Panthers and they were tied 1-1 and then came back, blew a three-goal lead at home and lost 4-3. I thought, I thought that the Devils were in trouble. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. they figured it out. They win a game – they win game six at home and then go – in Florida, won Game 7 in overtime, which was impressive enough, and then go on to beat the Philadelphia Flyers in five games. What I find interesting is that the Devils found something. They found out that that forecheck is almost as good as the trap. Joe, I couldn't put it any better. After Game 5 in in in, um, in Miami, I thought the series was over, too. I thought they would go home and, and they would again close out another series losing on home ice, which they've done before at the Rock. And you're right, something clicked. And what, what what's even more bizarre, too, is that you've got to remember something. Going into that game six, Marty's record all time in uh, playoff hockey was, was uh, 12 and 22, which, was, which is one of his worst all-time stats. So I went into that six-game overtime thinking, all right, this is it, it's over. Felt the same way going into game seven. But something clicked, and you, you said it, forechecking. That's, what it, that's what's done it. And that's what the Flyers couldn't counter, too, in the second round. They, they didn't know what to do. I mean, they really looked completely clueless a couple of times in games two, three, and four. Uh, not so much in game five, but it was unbelievable to have something just click after that sixth game. It was remarkable to see. Speaking of things of clicking, how about the fact that I, I felt Kovalchuk had a terrible game one in Philadelphia he doesn't play game two for a quote-unquote injury. We don't know if he was just benched or not, but he has turned it around completely for game, you know games three, four, and five. And I just thought that if they're going to win a cup, he's going to have to step up, and he has stepped up. Parisi stepped up as he as he always does, and Brodeur, if he plays, if they play the same series that they played just against the Flyers with his fourth check, I think they could beat the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals. You put it again. You just put it. You took the words right out of my mouth. If they if they keep this type of play up, if the regular guys who you expect continue to play well, play well, they can. And, and you know what? There's been all this talk about Chris Kreider, this rookie who came out of Boston College playing for the Rangers. What people have also forgotten here is that that Stephen Gianta, who only played one regular season game, has played his rear end off in this entire series. And there's been a uh, there's been very little talk about how well he's played. He has been. Nothing short of extraordinary, uh, and, and very, very quietly. But nobody will know this because it's the Devils. And because of that, that's why they, they uh, even if they go in as underdogs against the deck, uh, whoever it is in the next round, Rangers or, or Caps, I feel confident because they, people just don't know this team and don't realize how good a kid like Stephen Gianta is. So it's, it's going to be an incredible series no matter who it is. I mean, they talk about, like you said, Kreider, the rookie. They talk about how he's, like, the next best thing next to Gretzky. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, there's the Devils, they don't get enough press, enough publicity. They're, they're probably the best one. They're getting all the publicity right now in Pure Go, the most listened to, the most talked about radio show ever. That's right. I think that you know, they go under the radar. I think that's a great thing. Lou Lamoureux is probably the best GM slash, you know, president of uh, any hockey team 
Um, what I was trying to get to before DG interrupted me was that nobody talks about the play of Henrique, uh, the rookie. I think he's really stepped it up. I think he's been a great asset to the team so far this year. You, you, uh, another good point. And, you know, this, this, this is a kid who should win the Calder Trophy but probably won't simply because he plays on the Devils. And, again, most people in the national media haven't noticed it, but this kid is, is just absolutely remarkable. Scored an overtime uh, goal so far has played just uh, just out of his mind. Nobody expected it. Everybody was talking about Adam Larson as the Devils rookie to watch out for this year, and it's been Henrique who has really co- completely done it. And let me just say one other thing too, Joe. What you said about going uh, without having the, the, the spotlight on, I think is the best thing for this team. You know, they were not on the back page of the Post or the Daily News this morning, though they should have been. But I think it's better off that way because, you know, the, the pressure continues to remain on whoever they play. I mean, and, and that's why I love the fact that there was, there were, that 29 out of 30 experts picked the Flyers to beat the Devils in the second round. And I hope they do it again in this round, too, because, again, the pressure comes right off them. They just go out, play their brand of hockey, and surprise everybody. Now, as a Devils fan, I know I'm going to ask you this biased question. Do you want – I mean, it's been, it's been proven time and time again that teams want to play consistently, don't take a lot of time off. I believe right. if the Rangers win tonight, game one would be Sunday. Are you rooting for a game seven between the Capitals and Rangers so that these two teams beat each other up more so that the Devils take them on? Well, you know, if you had asked me this question a couple of weeks ago when the Flyers had, like, all these extra days off in between the two series, I might have said, yeah, I'd like them to battle it out and let them, let them just beat the crap out of each other for another two games. But the truth is, I think the momentum that this team has, the Devils, I think they want to get back on the ice as quickly as possible. So I'm 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 hoping, uh, I don't know. I, but, but then this puts me in, a, in another awkward spot too, Joe, because everybody's been saying, you must want the Rangers. And, and and as a Devil fan, as great as it would be for hockey and for the tri-state area, it still irks the crap out of me when when there are thousands of Ranger fans in, in the Rock, especially during the playoffs. I never like that. And there's a side of me that says uh, having a home ice advantage against Washington would be a lot of fun too, just to be able to not have to start on the road for the first time this entire playoffs. So I'm really – I'm, I'm I'm torn here, you know. I mean, I I I can never imagine saying, yeah, I hope the Rangers win a game because I would like to see them go all in '82 if it were possible. So, right. it, it's the toughest question you've asked me tonight, and I I don't know if I have an answer for it. I'm sorry. No problem, Kev. Now yeah. we'll uh, hopefully have you on maybe next week to preview the uh, the finals of the Western Conference as well as the Eastern Conference finals, if that's okay well, with you. As DG laments the fact that he has no idea. What Except for on top of a birthday cake. Woo! <laughs> I would love to do that uh, next week, and uh, it's just good to hear both of your voices. You know, it's been it's been too long, and I'm really sorry it's taken this long to to reconnect. But I'm just glad we finally did. Well, apparently you've been you've been holed up in your house watching nothing but hockey for the last six months. So I can understand you why uh, you know you haven't been on the air with us, Kevin. But uh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I haven't slept properly in the last in the last four and a half weeks, so I'm, I'm looking. I'm glad the Devils aren't playing tonight, so I can actually go to sleep at a reasonable hour tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you giving us a few minutes. And like Joe said, hopefully you know, you can come on next week so I can get a bathroom break and you guys can talk about hockey. All right, that sounds good. We'll do it next week and uh, go Obama. Go Obama. Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, right, let's go. <laughs> Later, Kevin, guys. have a wonderful evening, sir. All right, you too, David. Good night, Joe.
and the rock means always. Make sure you keep it pure gold. Uh, what's the name of your show? Uh, pure gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. Actually, I was supposed to say make sure you keep it PG, but uh, you know that's neither uh, that's neither here nor there nor there, sir. But again, folks, thank you so much. I got two words for you: pure <laughs> gold. Good night, everyone. <laughs>